Hello. It's time to chat with me, Kamea, and me, Rose. On the show, we have courageous conversations that illuminate shared experiences related to food and gender. We are here to help folks digest their relationship to food. In today's episode, we're going to talk all about comfort foods. Is all eating emotional eating? My own inequality. Hello, everyone. We're back for episode two. So excited. We are jumping right into, let's start it off with quarantine. You were essential workers, so you were still working. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say majority of our friends, family, our community was fully shut down. So um, for me, that went into being in my apartment with my partner. We went from having a week of work to the next day. We're not going back. We don't know when we're going back, which is a terrifying thought. What do we go to for comfort and security and feeling a sense of control? Food. My ultimate, ultimate comfort food is tuna noodle casserole. And I get why people don't like it. I totally accept it. I understand. But my mom made it um, a very specific way. And I think it's how her, probably her grandma made it. Um, But we use egg noodles always the curly wide noodle ones and I think it's like a can of cream of cheddar Campbell's cream of cheddar mm-hmm. it's already creamy oh oh we're not done <laughs> it's a can of cream of cheddar a can of cream of mushroom drained tuna fish and then you fill to rinse your cans because we have to you know be frugal put milk or heavy cream and so then you stir it up to like get all the sides of the can dump that in there mix it all up so then we mix in the cooked egg noodles (laughs) throw it in a pan and then we always did potato chips on top crushed potato chips always you were it was a fancy time when we would do the shoestring potato chips you know what i'm talking about they're like a little thicker but they're tiny little sticks and then yeah you bake it until it's solidified (laughs) and it is so good so good but that's my ultimate comfort food and even even now whenever I have a bad day or I feel extra stressed that's what I go to and I it's a staple in my 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 cupboards I always have cream of cheddar and cream of mushroom soup always so that you can make it when you need it yes is that what we're having for lunch today I wish I have everything for it if we want (laughs) it'll take me 15 minutes yeah I want to share the definition of comfort food the oxford defines comfort food as food that provides consolation or a feeling of well-being and it goes on to explain that these foods are frequently associated with childhood or home cooking and are typically high in sugar or carbs huh how do you feel about that definition when i say comfort food is that what you're thinking yeah i guess i think of like a lot of holidays um everybody's individual family traditions and things that they ate a lot in the summertime or ate a lot in the wintertime or things that like I always ask for on my birthday those are those are my comfort foods personally that's me but what did you ask for for your birthday um I asked for tuna noodle casserole (laughs) or um I guess the other thing I would ask for um is just a roasted roasted chicken and when on my birthday my mom would always do the cornish nice cornish hens so 
I always ask for spaghetti for my birthday. Oh, that's a good one, too. I love spaghetti. Oh, that's a good one. Um, What about your quarantine experience? What COVID, what mm. comfort foods did you make during COVID? Um, other than roasted chicken and tuna noodles, <laughs> I would say. Um, I made a lot of... I, I went down this trail in my mind where... Because during the quarantine period the shutdown period so you're thinking like early April yeah early early quarantine for us um everything had gotten shut down so I kind of started going down a path of what are the things that I never make today in my my life but my mom used to make all the time that I just loved and that was really cool because it got me my mom talking and going down memory lane together which was really fun but then also uh, like one of the things is uh, she would make something called cowboy hash and it was a, like <laughs> is this something you made during lockdown yes um I was very excited about it and I ne- it needed a little bit of work <laughs> but it was pretty good in terms of comparing it to my mom but it's just like a bean dish with egg noodles and like canned crushed tomatoes and very wait, little wait, wait, seasoning wait. beans and noodles beans and noodles together yep you heard me right and like I'm pretty I don't even think it was a sauce I think she just used crushed canned tomatoes and would put her own spice blend like Italian or something um but it was baked in a baking dish and not a ton of liquid so the egg noodles would only absorb about half of the liquid and they'd stay really crunchy (laughs) and so kind of as a kid I remember eating it and pretending that I was this cowboy that was out on some sort of adventure and I'm like have my fire this is while we're at the kitchen table mind you and I have my horse and all my stuff and I'm just eating this hash over the fire and it wasn't necessarily cooked perfectly because of the conditions you know that a cowboy faces and that's what we would have and I I loved it I loved the crunchy noodles but that was uh uh did you serve this to anyone or did you have a solo (laughs) night that you made I served this to my partner um and he did not appreciate the meal at all. You he didn't had, give him like one of those stick ponies and you were like, here, is it better now? Well, that's why I tried to tell him. I was like, just imagine like you're a cowboy in like Arizona and it's like in the middle of the night and you're out in the desert. And, and he's, he's like, like, fuck this, this I'm stuck is, at home. <laughs> he was like, that's not where we're at at all. When we sat down, we started eating. I was telling him my childhood memories with it and I, I made a point to let him know that the noodles were supposed to be crispy um in certain parts I didn't met this up yeah like just you know that is like intentional and he was like okay because I thought you just did a really bad job (laughs) I was like no I did that on purpose it's one of those meals I feel like in the comfort food list of mine that I would never make for people outside of my mom and my dad and maybe never again to my partner (laughs) but it's definitely it's not one that I would bring to the table it's not going on context. your instagram your professional no. like hey i'm the chef and i also know no but tuna noodles i would but cowboy hash is um a little rough also there was bell peppers too and onions but yeah. i think for me i kind of went through different phases with quarantine and our lockdown and so in the beginning it was a lot of 
nostalgia and this romanticized vision of cooking everything from scratch all the time which I love all of a sudden we had the time to do it exactly and when I transitioned from being an essential worker to working from home that was a huge like oh my god I'm gonna have all this time I'm gonna make lasagna I'm gonna make chicken pot pie I'm gonna make enchiladas like I mean, one of my favorite quarantine memories is Zooming with a friend and we made lasagna at the same time. And I coached them through like, don't worry about like, you definitely need more sauce. Let's think about this in thirds. Let's, this is how, like, this is everything I think about when I make lasagna because they were scared to do it on their own. So, I mean, happy, that is something I love to do if somebody is afraid of cooking a dish. Kamea is a very good teacher. People on here don't, don't know that yet. (laughs) She's a very good teacher. You're making me blush. But it was really fun. Yeah. Um, Super, super fun. Um, I think one place that sticks out in my mind when I think about uh, quarantine and comfort foods and coping with the pandemic, um, I think about the negotiation about the Thanksgiving menu because Mm -hmm. me and my partner had very specific ideas of what needed to be on the menu for our solo Thanksgiving was that your experience too? Uh, yeah this was the very first Thanksgiving and I think for yours too you can tell me if I'm wrong but that we didn't spend it with our families at all it was the first large holiday that I got to spend just with my my boyfriend which was really special in a lot of ways and I actually am really grateful that we got to have that but the negotiation about the menu oh, yeah. that was a multiple conversations and yeah, we were pretty specific about what like he really wanted to do his mom's stuffing recipe and that That's was cool. really important to him and I was I was not allowed to touch it. This was his thing and he wanted to do it the way his mom did it. Um and I was like I had to negotiate for a green bean casserole. It was always my favorite as a kid, but especially at the early stages of me choosing my food because one of the first things that I chose for myself was to be vegetarian and I could trust the green bean casserole because who puts meat in green bean casserole? Very few people, but I'm sure there's people out there that would throw a bunch of bacon in there. Oh, okay. okay. I mean, it makes sense, but anyways, that's a whole other thing. Well, I trusted the green bean casserole. Do you do the, the onion frizzles on top well so the I made it all from scratch and I used beans that I had blanched and frozen from the farmer's market um so that was a nice another connection to it and also canned green beans are kind of gross um and I made a bashmal sauce and I had never made that before but and I did some roasted mushrooms so I did shiitake mushrooms and the bashmal and the um frozen green beans but the french fried onions were non-negotiable you have to do it i got them from the kitchen is that what how your mom made it when you were a kid i i think in the early times it was more the here's the can of green beans here's a can of cream totally. of mushroom soup. that's where i well and that's probably how she learned too because i know she comes from that like her family's her parents generation would have been the highly processed things just like my parents was too totally Um, that's why my mom we never had green bean casserole at thanksgiving ever because she was like i don't want any of this canned shit on my table which is funny because there was a lot already but you know what can you do what is it about green bean casserole that brings nostalgia to you or comfort i feel like green bean casserole didn't really show up in the home so much as in that space when there were a lot of people like the few times that we had big thanksgivings with other family where it's like i don't know these people and they're all like oh you're not gonna eat the turkey this kid's a weirdo Mm -hmm. so it it was my safe food um 
So it does bring up those feelings of safety. Yeah. And I trusted my mom when she was like, there's no meat in this, hun. And, right. Um, yeah, so it was delicious. And it's really salty. It's so salty. It's so good, though. Um, what other comfort foods did you gravitate towards in quarantine? So I would say there is a pretty distinct line well not necessarily a distinct line but in the beginning it was more of that nostalgia of I'm gonna cook everything from scratch blah 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 but the longer it went on and when I was working virtually the longer it went on the longer it went on but for real my energy level was depleted working um in a virtual environment was totally different um Mm. it zapped my energy in like nothing I had ever experienced and so and also, I feel like the tension in the world just ratcheted and ratcheted and ratcheted. Oh, yeah. Um, so I definitely was reaching more for frozen foods. And I actually had my first pizza roll. Ugh. And I regret that because now that's, that is my... That's all you want. Well, and I bought the Costco box. Oh, my God. Because I was at Costco. Because why not? And my partner was like, bring home a pizza. And I was like, I'm not doing that here. This is close enough. <laughs> That's funny. And it took a long time to get through it. But then it would be like, I would have nights. So I'm just like, let's just watch a movie and eat these pizza rolls. And so I definitely created a new comfort food for myself where mm-hmm. it was like, I'm safe. I'm home. I'm watching this movie with my partner. I don't have to think about everything else that's going on or any and I don't have to be anything to anyone and I think working through the pandemic the longer that has gone on the more I have been reaching for especially in winter for more Mm -hmm. frozen processed foods because uh one it made me feel safe and comfortable it definitely activated that reward system in my brain of here you're comfortable you're okay um and it required very little of you very little extra effort of me um when you first dove down this rabbit hole of comfort food from what you read for this episode episode, what how has your mind changed if at all regarding comfort food like do you view your comfort foods a little bit differently or more critically where has it changed at all I think the biggest thing that I've learned is the how the amount of emotional attachment there is in comfort food so like even reflecting on my quarantine COVID experience and I keep saying like it's past tense but I know um when I reflect on those comfort foods it so much of it is linked to safety but then there's also a lot of guilt and Mm -hmm. shame and it can trigger that internal tape of okay I had pizza rolls for dinner last night so I need to run x amount of miles today and I need to make sure I eat a salad at this point and I need to all that anxiety I had a really hard day or I had a really good day so I deserve yeah this thing um which is so weird that we we view food as a symbol like a token of reward when you have to eat like we all have to eat we all have to do that to survive um but I feel like we do that especially with comfort foods because traditionally they aren't the best foods for us on a nutritional level but also I think it's probably laced in there that the fact that it brings us so much joy there's like that self-sabotage of like 
well, you don't deserve the joy that even the food will bring you with that comfort and that emotional attachment to satisfy the emotional need that you have as well as your hunger, which is, it just always boggles my mind that we do that because I do that as well. I have my own anxieties around what I ate the day before or what I just ate out on Tell my plate. Tell me more. Oh. <laughs> um, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the self-worth aspect of it and reward system that we create when you mentioned like the tape that runs through your head we all have a similar voice I would say but obviously we all have it stems from different things and we all have different behaviors still at the end of the day but my biggest fear during the early quarantine we got shut down I immediately was like I do not want to fall into this pattern and this hole of being terrified of what I eat because we're all stressed right now Every single person is going through the same thing right now and I'm going to be actively kind to myself and allow those comfort foods to come in into my kitchen and to eat them and be happy about it and not feel guilty or think too much about it at the end of the day or the day after or whatever Um, and really trying to keep like I'm just owning where I'm at right now Mm -hmm. and I'm telling myself it's okay because this is just where we all are right now (laughs) and um, if I want to spend a day just watching TV all day that's what I'm doing and I'm not gonna hate myself for that. If I end up not even eating a meal and I just eat chips and crackers for the whole day that's fine. Even with that as a center of what I was trying to focus on I still had the concern of okay well we're in a world now where we all wear masks when we go out in public. And the people that I am seeing, for the most part, were all masked up. So you only see a portion of my face. And so I remember starting to notice my own weight gain and obviously noticing it in my thighs and my back fat and my uh, my cheeks. And I remember being having this moment of like, I'm so grateful that we all have to wear a mask right now because nobody can see like the weight that I've gained um which then triggers the concern of at some points whether it's vaccines or somehow covid just disappears in our world um masks are going to go away or you're going to be around certain people without a mask and i don't want them to be like wow she gained weight in quarantine like even though everybody has and it's normal and okay But that was where my stress started coming from is at some point I'm not going to see people for a potentially year and I don't want them to see me and be like, wow, she's changed. Um, Returning to the Oxford, um, I found two definitions for the word diet. Ooh, because I got, I got curious about this because I, 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 it started with, I'm curious about comfort foods. And then it just like kind of spiraled. This is how comfort food shows up for me. And comfort then, foods are bad. You're bad for wanting them or having them. Right. But when I thought about why did I want to make those comfort foods, it was because they made me feel good. There was an emotional response of they made me feel comfortable. They evoked a sense of attachment. They brought up happy memories. And that, those were all very important, are very important important they're things that I want for everyone um and getting curious for this particular episode I did reach out to my community on social media 
I love social media. I hate social media. It's destroying the world. <laughs> but it's great to have that community be just like, what's your comfort food and why? And yeah, a lot of the responses were very calorically dense, salty, fatty, sugary foods, depending on who the person was. Um, but the thing that really stood out to me was how frequently I saw the word connection, connection mm-hmm. to a caretaker, whether it was mom or grandma. I didn't see actually any responses connected to any male figures. It was all either grandma or mom. Statistically, um, that makes sense. It, uh, yeah. Um, but <clears throat> I, I do want to be inclusive in just like who you received care from because that can look different for mm-hmm. everyone. Um, and I think we're getting better about under understanding and being open as a world at least I hope so to uh different forms of caretaking um but it was all related to caretaking feelings of safety feelings of home feelings of love and feelings of attachment and there are all these beautiful amazing aspects of the human experience and I really want those for everyone But then as soon as I start looking into comfort foods, I very quickly fell into the information trap of, oh, comfort foods, are you an emotional eater? Is there something wrong with you? Not is this something that you do or like, oh, this is how you could even just add like using comfort foods in moderation in order to help regulate our emotions. No, it makes more sense if you take an anxiety medication or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um. But it quickly led me to this idea of emotional eating and how bad it is to be an emotional eater. Are you an emotional eater? And then it's just like really easy, even with all of my awareness and understanding and being able to recognize thought patterns of like, ooh, I don't know if this one is serving me anymore. And that takes practice to do. Um, It does create those additional thoughts of like, is there something wrong with me? Am I wrong in having this curiosity on how we could actually work this into our meal plans and be reasonable about it, whether we're making something from scratch or I know that I'm going to have a really hard conversation with my boss on X day. So I'm going to plan to have chicken noodle soup at home and Mm -hmm. I'm going to look forward to, I mean, chicken noodle soup, like throw some dumplings in there. So good. Add add the add on to, um, but I, yeah, I, I think the thing about it to me is just how heavily commercialized diet culture puts all the blame on individuals for our inability to control impulses and it really emphasizes restriction and promotes individualism and negative self-talk and it completely keeps our attention on consumption yeah and I think in my humble opinion, I think that this is done in order to keep us in this loop of, oh, I'll buy this product. Oh, I'll go on this diet. Oh, I'll get, I'll pay for this service. But we all intuitively know that what it is that we want is connection Mm -hmm. to our food and to each other. And the commercialization of emotional eating just keeps us away from getting to the feelings that we want to create more of. Well, and it's losing connection with your family. I mean, if your community, where you're from, your heritage maybe too. Um, I stumbled across, this has been a couple of times I've stumbled across this concept of, which I love as a feminist, that diet culture regarding women was created to control us. 
and that (laughs) control us financially because we throw so much money not only at like our looks with waxing tanning all of the things but we also buy all the food but we also buy all the food for our homes and then if it's shoved down our throat that like we need to not be eating carbs we need to be eating this or we need to be keto we need to be I think there's something to diet culture as a way of chaining women and distracting us from the greater things we need to be doing (laughs) it takes away our power yeah I would agree with that and I would open that up to anyone that's not a oh yeah white male yeah um Base, yeah, it's it's a way to control a segment of our world. It's um, a way to, to shame you and to make you fall in line to all those internal thoughts that we all have. When I bring it back to, or I bring that concept back to comfort foods, so it's like, okay, here's our comfort foods that makes us feel good and positive in all of these ways. Oh, but if you do that you're an emotional eater and you are bad and you need this help or that help and I do think that there are people who could benefit from people from getting professional support in either changing up or adding tools in their tool belt for other ways to cope with emotion I was gonna say and that's just not even the eating aspect that's a whole other thing it's just we shouldn't be we need to be facing those emotions and dealing with them and not smothering them with alcohol food sex social hangouts like we ignore our emotions in many different facets totally um we definitely or maybe that's just me (laughs) (laughs) there's something wrong with you (laughs) i'm an emotional leader damn it I think the part that makes me the most angry is just the absolutism in it. Like you are good or you are bad. And there isn't a lot of information or accessible information that helps us understand the nuance that's present in our relationship to food in our in our relationship between here's my emotions and here's what I'm eating and I've kind of come to this conclusion that both are always at the table but then if you like get there and then you start to be like okay if I want to work on attachments to food the first thing that comes up in Google if you aren't looking at academic papers do you know what it is Mm -mm. it's goop (laughs) it's fucking goop it's fucking good. Miss Paltrow. And that's great and way too simplistic and not yeah. actually that helpful. And it doesn't. It's not really like taking a good bite out of it. It's just like we're going to dance around it and talk about it as rich. Or maybe women. you should just take this to your therapist is basically what the article yeah. said. And I'm like, well, I, I mean, maybe. Not everybody can afford a therapist. Um do you think <laughs> maybe um, I'll eat my feelings instead. <laughs> I'll buy another Costco pack of pizza rolls um do you think that I mean you did more research on this than I did coming to this episode but do you feel like through your research about emotional eating if you're an emotional eater it that's bad and that what you're doing is bad how much of that is what you're consuming by reading people stating that in diet websites or is that already ingrained in you as a woman in our society who loves food and loves to eat and you're also a beautifully emotional person and I appreciate I'm that I'm a cancer you. you're a cancer so because sometimes I I play with that idea of how much of this is what I'm putting on myself or how much of this is actually society introducing this to me or maybe it's completely equally both 
I would like to say it's equally both. Well, I think it's hard to take the eggs out of the cake once you've baked it, right? Yeah. And, I mean, I am a highly emotional being, but we all have emotions that are present. And I think our emotions are present each time we come to the table. And along with that is our self-protection mechanisms yeah. that we have to reevaluate and say, does this still make sense? And we're also, like, as we live and grow and become an aging – I mean, we're here for millennials, right? As we mm-hmm. become an aging generation – we are facing the aging process and I can't eat the way I used to and I can't and, and I and I become more aware why of can't like, you well <laughs> because there's something wrong with me because there's something wrong um yeah I was gonna say when you are really emotional whatever that could be um and you turn to food does that make you feel ashamed it does it absolutely does. And so I think that... Is that just society standard or does or that have something else that's like deeper? I mean, I think everything does come back to the patriarchy and society Well, I don't almost, think but... you're born with food shame. No. There was no point that... I mean, okay. So you start with, I'm a baby. I'm really excited <laughs> about being nourished from my mother. I was lucky to be breastfed. Mm-hmm. And um, then, you know, my diet evolved and it was just like, okay, I like this. I don't like this. Right. But then at, even as a baby, you try to give me like Gerber smashed peas. And I'm like, that's fucking disgusting. Right. We're that's not funny. born with no. food shame, but we, we gather these different experiences with food. And then we have cultural influences that, tell us how we should show up how and for me I'm I was socialized as a woman and so that Mm -hmm. came with different ideas of my body and how to eat and how much to eat and there's like a it's a you you can't win kind of like yeah I need to be the girl that can down a burger but like really tidily but slightly aggressively and that's like (laughs) you're laughing because you know I know I know so I think the the feelings of shame like that's not just a part of me those are thought patterns that I get to unpack or live with and I I kind of get to make that choice and there's only so much energy I have in the day and there's only so Mm -hmm. much to I'm using air quotes for those who can't see me like (laughs) fix about myself like there's nothing wrong with me and I can believe that and have food shame at the same time but I need different comfort at different times right sometimes I just need to feel really full like going back to the baby right Mm -hmm. I'm so full I'm ready for a nap yes and I'm like peace yeah fuck the world I'm out and that's what I need in that moment if I did that every day I would not be able to pay my bills or like experience the wonderful things about life. But occasionally I do need to just get full and fall asleep. But there is also comfort in a really nourishing bowl of pho where somebody took the time to make a really beautiful, nourishing, delicious broth and it's full of veggies. There is comfort in that or even like scratch made chicken soup or veggie mm-hmm. soup is the same thing there was time and attention and love put into the broth and in the ingredients and it comes to you as this form of nourishment and you still have a sense of safety and well-being and so I think comfort shows up in different forms at least for me yeah it's we say this all the time it's very complicated um I'm gonna ask you to share about your mm. tuna noodle casserole what do you want to know i oh, offline you were telling me about making it as a 
comfort food for quarantine and the process and many a times feelings Um, i want to know about the feelings the feelings oh god um yeah it's i mean it's nothing but cream and cheese and carbohydrates um which has its own guilt in itself because also too at least when i grew up that was the main dish there was no vegetables on the side we didn't have time for that this is tuna noodle time <laughs> we do not have time for a salad or anything else or room or room because i'm this is what i'm here for i'm here to just gorge um but i mean and i still do that today it's hard not to but that's also part of the nostalgia too of just being like making a huge quantity and just knowing that you could eat until you want to take a nap (laughs) um but part of quarantine is I got to experiment and I made it as much from scratch as possible I didn't make my own noodles because I just knew they wouldn't it wouldn't taste the same um it's not a dish where you'd want to have I think homemade pasta but but yeah no I made the all the sauces from scratch the cream mushroom cream cheddar and I think I even splurged for the fancy can of tuna fish, the more expensive. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't know even, what, know, I don't even know what fancy. that is. Maybe I got it at the co-op. So anything at the co-op is going to be remotely fancy. <laughs> but um, and it was freaking delicious. I wouldn't say it's better because that was a big thing I wanted to walk away is like it's not better than using cans. It's just different. Regarding shame, I think there's it's always there because even with that dish it's there's nothing in there that's remotely nutritious at all (laughs) or that's making my body happy other than the emotional happiness but like in a nutrition way well and we both live alone with our partners Mm -hmm. which is a blessing but um I learned how to cook food like that for a family so like several kids and the like so the process of making it the portion is like I made a pan of this and you can eat a bowl and now you're just like continuing Mm -hmm. to eat it because you don't want to throw it away oh no that's gold you don't you don't throw tuna noodles away what are you talking about did your feelings about that classic tuna noodle casserole Mm. did it feel different to go through the process like even just like thinking about the memories and the amount of time you spent with that memory as you were making it from scratch so even if the end result was like yeah like same same but different did that change anything for you would you recommend it um I think yeah I would recommend it I think if you can take anything that you care about that was even pizza rolls I attempted to make homemade pizza rolls in quarantine you can do that um I didn't do very well but I only tried once and I listened to a Pinterest um person and they they took me into a dark dark forest that I don't ever want to go down I should have known better but um when will I learn see I'm like good god I knew even when I read I'm like this doesn't make sense but going through and making the casserole I mean I would say emotionally making it from scratch I think mostly one of the things that kept coming into my brain is because my mom growing up was um, a pretty talented cook and we had like our convenient meals that we would go to but she also cooked most of her stuff from scratch and 
I kept being like, how have we never made this from scratch? Like, why have we always just pulled from the can? Because that's just not what you do. Because that's just not what you do. And um, I had told her later, uh, a few days later, that I had made it from scratch. And she had the same thing. Like, how have we never done that? That's that's such a great idea. Um, But I've learned from going to culinary school and being a really passionate cook that anything you make from scratch is going to be way better and that's just a fact because of the ingredients you're using um but what I was most surprised on is how similar like emotionally it tasted Hmm. when we like sat down to eat it because it was a version that my partner was getting seconds and thirds what happens when you make it the real way he'll just pick around at it he doesn't really do he doesn't like it at all it's the difference between homemade mac and cheese and box mac and cheese they're both delicious and have a time and a place but you can't really compare the two. Hmm. They're vastly different. So I'd do it again though. I haven't done it again yet. Probably because the shame around it. But I want to do it again. <laughs> the shame around like if I make this it's going to be around then I, and I'm going to yeah, eat it. Then I have know, it. This is the one that always gets me in my brain is when my brain's like and I'm trying to be healthy. All the time. Like really trying to eat just more meat and vegetable focused and avoid things that do make my stomach kind of upset on a nutrition basis and also foods that don't make me feel negative about myself which I think I should be probably focusing more on the emotion the emotional response to those foods instead of those foods like you just you have to get to know the whole person and get to recognize that we have a whole past present and future self that comes to the table every time we eat and we need to accept them all at the table and say cool and we don't do that enough and instead we might get a little ranty here um when we as a culture we really value objectivity over subjectivity Mm -hmm. and really negate people's innate wisdom and when they say no but I think this makes me feel this way or this is something that feels good to me we go like you don't know what you're talking about because objectively here's these things that you need to do you need to do this this and this so that you lose these pounds and these are the measurements that we're applying to you and we just stay in that objectivity and we say this is the thing and we value it over the relationships and people's innate wisdom and connection to each other to place to people to food and if I get to talking about it too much I'll get really spicy because I spend a lot of time thinking about this as you know and Mm -hmm. it's it's uh the place I try to help people move past because it's such a it's a big gap and it's it's wrong it's wrong and I think the way we process all of these emotions we can kind of get lost and lose sight of reality um because I think there's obviously people out there that don't have the tools to help themselves um in whatever eating disorders that they're struggling with like I've noticed for myself even currently like where I'm at now is I am constantly kind of like ping-ponging this like love yourself be proud of your body but then also all of these like internal things from like my childhood um and unrealistic well, expectations not just your on my childhood but like oh I'm going on vacation in a month so yeah. it's like love yourself are you gonna fuck, fit into this swimsuit? but also you like don't have shorts that fit you right now yeah <laughs> so there's this constant kind of like back and forth and trying to remind myself to like speak kindly to myself in my head but then try to be like I want to be really healthy right now and so I'm going to cut out dairy and grains and carbohydrates and just eat super clean and then, 
like I had a conversation with a friend of mine where they're really um, health centered and I was kind of talking about my current foods that I'm trying to avoid slash allowing like a little here and there and like you know I think that's fine and um one of the things that he had said was like well for one he's like you're not obese and you're not even remotely like fat so if you want to have a bagel in the morning you should have a bagel and then my mind's like and then I'll have a bagel every morning and I'll justify that and then I'll have spaghetti that night for dinner and then I'll have like waffles on the weekend because it's the fucking weekend and then and it just all of a sudden explodes into this I'm incredibly bloated I don't feel good about myself and then it's that spiral of thinking about your worth within your body um the clothes that you can't fit into now or like oh it's a beautiful day we've had great weather but I don't want to wear a dress because I feel really like pudgy right now even though I'm probably not and but when it also doesn't fucking matter and it also doesn't matter because if you want to wear the fucking dress you should wear the fucking dress no matter what you look like if it makes you happy that's all that freaking matters but it's it was kind of a weird moment because when my friend was like yeah but also like remember you're not like you're not on this crash course diet to where you have to lose like 100 pounds like oh shit I kind of like forgot about that you're right maybe I'm going too hard here <laughs> I actually had to cut coffee recently you weirdo I'm sorry I was wondering why you didn't have coffee when you got here I was like it hasn't been sitting well with my stomach and once I'm aware of it yeah the and it's like okay I actually do better with a cup of tea in the morning and, well and just and in my I'm less dependent on the coffee now because of it yeah um, I love the like energy and there it's not energy that like yeah buzzing about um and that carries its own sense of nostalgia because I have like coffee's seen me through a lot coffee's there for us days. every single morning when we wake um, up and and I'm more anxious yeah and I have enough anxiety. Well, and that's the thing. You you have identified that in a healthy, I think, whole way. And that's really good. And that's how we need to approach it and not be like. Well, but I'm also not absolute. Like, I have, I'm not yes, no about it. I can't speak. So, but you'll. my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but th- that's one of those cultural things. Like, I'm now out of coffee culture, right? Um, but. I had a cup of coffee yesterday because my neighbor made me a cup of coffee and it was like it was really delicious and fun and I was watching the one-year-old and you needed energy it was really nice to have that extra like what are you doing what are you eating what's in your mouth get that out of your mouth yeah um you gotta be on your shit with those kids yeah he's really moving around he's so cute that brings up another comfort food story though and just like a relationship with comfort um this same neighbor when he was in the womb um he was born he just turned a year so um a year and a month now so he just turned a year and uh his mom therefore was giving birth at this time in 2020 when we were like oh shit covid's real right Mm -hmm. And I asked my neighbor what her mom would make her because her mom wasn't able to be here and I wanted to make food and drop it off um, for her. And she told me my mom would make me pozole because she grew up in Mexico and that was one of her comfort foods. And I spent so much time just diving into, okay, how do you make this? I watched YouTube videos that I didn't understand. I started talking to people at the grocery store, uh, like how, like 
I noticed you bought hominy. What are you going to make? And it, it was like, it was divine timing though. I didn't like stalk people in the grocery store. Like, I see you're buying hominy. What are you going to do with that hominy? What are you doing with that hominy over Hominy's there? Hominy is a weird food if it you've is. never worked with it. Um, it was for me anyway. It's for me. Not it's delicious. Um, but I happened to have someone that went through, because I was a essential worker at the time, went through my check stand and she bought a bunch of hominy. And I was like, what are you making? And she said, pasoli. And I was like, oh my God, I need to talk to you. What's the secret? And uh, there was a little bit of a language barrier, but I figured out that she was telling me I needed to make the broth with pig's feet. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. dear God. Um, but okay. Um, but I also knew from my neighbor, her mom always did it with chicken. So I did it with the chicken feet. I was going to say, is it traditional to be pork? I, I learned I that family there's family. so many different kinds of pasole. Um, mm. So we really get just exposed to the red chili. Chick- I've mostly eaten it as chicken pasole. Yeah. Um, and that's what my neighbor's mom made. And so that's what I wanted to learn because I was really going for that comfort food. I'm also a lot more comfortable with chicken than I am with pork as a previous vegetarian. And... Anyway, I learned how to make pozole from scratch and I dropped it off on her porch for recovery and I got a text message from her that said that I had made it just like her mom had made it. Oh, and that was shit. a huge win for me. That's and I so had spent awesome. so much time getting to know like the chilies and how to do it and I learned so many skills and now for me that particular soup will be a comfort food because it is based in connection to this neighbor that I was getting to know I got to know more about her place her sense of place these chilies how to work with them the flavors I've not I had never up to that point made a chicken broth with chicken feet and I definitely felt like a a Disney witch with the little oh yes it's it's quite I like to pick off the finger the toenails you are a sick person I'm a very sick bitch (laughs) you are sick I I'm sure the listeners will figure that out as the season goes on. <laughs> I do have I a very dark go, side. Bleh. But the broth is really good. It's The broth is so it's good amazing. from chicken. Yeah. And it, it just goes into your body and nourishes you in this extremely comforting way. And it's amazing. So That's so cool that you just had that experience, even though it wasn't your initial comfort foods, that it has become a comfort food for you. And that's really sweet. I like that story. Mm-hmm. Well, have we sufficiently talked about comfort foods? Are you hungry yet? I'm expecting tuna noodle casserole, by the way. I literally have everything for it, too. We could do it. Um, Yeah, no, I uh, love comfort foods. I can talk about food all day, especially comfort foods. So I guess I'll, I'll close out with just the... Just the thought of how you incorporate comfort foods into your daily life and your well-being and the invitation to notice if negative thought patterns are coming up with comfort food. And if you are working with a therapist, then maybe that's something you can talk to them with or or a health coach or whatever, whoever is on your team, even if that's a friend. Um, I do think, I mean, I personally have found a lot of healing in just talking about this and pulling it all out of my body and being like, look at everything that's inside my body rose yep uh, that sounded really gross um oh i'll look at it I, what do you let s- me see <laughs> um but do, i'm not just holding it in my head yeah. and it's less isolating because ultimately i think that's the root of it all is when we can find connection in food and we cook in community I mean, even if you live alone and you spend most of your time eating alone, so much, all of our food, not so much, 
all of our food has somehow been created by a collective. And I think that even in an industrial food system, if we can get to that and we can start to unpack what are what are my connections here, there's so much healing in that. And there's healing in understanding how we pull in the positive and the negative and recognize there's nothing fucking wrong with us. It's the patriarchy. Yeah. Fuck the patriarchy. It's the patriarchy. Are we done? Is that it? Are we done? <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please follow, share, and rate this podcast. It makes a difference and it helps us reach more folks that want to digest their relationship to food. You can connect with me, Rose, on Instagram at culinary herbalism. And me, Kamea, at tasty, salty, real. If you found value in this conversation, send us a DM. We would love to hear from you. Next up, we're chatting about climate anxiety and plant-based eating. Can food choices really make a difference? My own inequality.